Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. You will eat less than you desire, but more than you deserve. And what you deserve is Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is an ill-advised Marilyn Monroe biopic. <laughs> Mike Tricchio. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing just fine, I guess, if I have to be blonde. Uh, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all pretty right. good. Yeah, you know, the holiday season is uh, is in full swing. Uh, getting ready to uh, head back home for the holidays. We're uh, hopefully going to be doing a uh, in-person podcast at some point to talk about Avatar, The Way of Water. Uh, which I'm pretty jazzed about. <laughs> you know, I wasn't particularly jazzed about it, and then I talked. To, I watched the first thing I'm going to talk about in a minute, and yeah. I might be jazzed about it again. I hey, don't know. I'm telling you, man. I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've heard really good things. Like early critic reactions have been very positive. Yeah. on Avatar too, and so I'm excited. Avatar two, The Way of Water. I never gave up hope. <laughs> Everybody else did. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, listen to the last five or six years of podcasts and. Uh, you can confirm that you are always a big Avatar guy. Um, yes, exactly. And, and yeah, seeing the critic early critics' response be that like actually the story is good this time. Yeah, is a pretty uh, like I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, like it's it's gonna be like mind blowingly great visuals and also like it'll have decent characters. Like this is gonna be great. This is nuts. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so theoretically at the end of this month, uh, there will be an in-person Avatar The Way of Water podcast that we record with some of our favorite podcast guests, and yeah, that'll be happening later, but for now, it's just me and Mike, and we're doing it our usual way, where he's in New York and I'm in Missoula, and uh, today we're doing some discussions. That's right, baby. Yeah, just talking about some of the stuff that we've been uh, watching over the last few weeks, which uh, for me, I don't know about you, Mike, but for me... It's been a lot of uh, 2022 catch-up stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely been the beginnings of the planning of all the homework I'm going to have to do before we do our top 10 episode uh, yes. in a I few think, weeks. I, I think you're close to doing your annual reaching out to me to see what movies you should be watching yes. <laughs> before the top 10. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I've been keeping notes on everything you're discussing this week and last week. Uh, nice. <laughs> just like, okay, I need to. This sounds like a thing. This sounds like a thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to attempt to just marathon binge all the stuff from 2022 that I didn't bother to watch. <laughs> that, is, that is typically how you do it, Mike. That's uh, that's your that's your process. Everybody has their own process. Look, if you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. Is all so. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, plus, of course, you have your own favorites from throughout the year that I'm sure will make your uh, your top ten. I did see you posted on Twitter. You know, some like your letterbox list is like I've been cultivating my top ten, and you blurred out like all the images. But like, if you know the posters for those movies, it's like pretty easy to guess what most yeah. of them are. <laughs> it's like this. I think I have like 13 or 14 movies on that list so far that yeah. I will call down to ten. Uh, and it's just all of the most iconic posters from this year. So yeah. it doesn't really do anything. <laughs> but I didn't want to just straight up post. Uh, screenshot so at least i made right. an attempt you don't want to spoil the surprise that uh, moonfall is number one through 10 through 10 like, yeah <laughs> it just took all 10 spots it's just so the much moon mass. is really big yeah exactly <laughs> we were we were going for the same joke <laughs> the moon <laughs> the moon is really big it takes up all 10 spots <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, when, when the brain cell fires, it fires, baby. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, yeah, coming up later this month, we'll have our Avatar episode. We'll have our top 10 episode. That'll be early January, most likely. Uh, but today, we're just talking about some of the stuff we've been watching recently. And uh, all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Mac V, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. Uh, if you ever want to contact us and respond to someone who did in the show, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And now let's get into some discussions. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for some discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Mike D, what have you been watching lately? Um, first off, I'll just talk about, I, I got to experience the the flip side of the thing that I'm always talking about uh, in the Discord that I'm h- hanging out with, with my friends, where I'm just like, hey, what if what if I just subtly start streaming this thing and then everybody joins in and now I've made them all watch Frankenhooker, you know? What if, right. what if that happened? That'd be goofy, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, except this time, one of my friends just randomly started streaming something and then we, over a weekend, watched the first two seasons of Ted Lasso. And I don't really know what happened, but nice. somehow I got shanghai into watching the first two seasons of Ted Lasso. And fucking what a delight. I mean, I've heard all the stuff I know or everybody's been talking about. So I kind of knew sort of what to expect, but I just wasn't aware or wasn't, wasn't prepared for how like genuinely affecting that would be. <laughs> uh just like a guy making biscuits for his mean boss is enough to make me be like what no you know just like (laughs) just a little quiver you know like it's amazing um and yeah and just it's a a pure pure hearted uh a pure hearted show and it's it's great and it's also the world cup is on so like we've been like having that kind of synchronicity thing where like we're watching some world cup game matches together and then and then just we're all screaming football is life you know uh, it's like I'm just having a blast uh Danny Rojas purest character to ever exist on a TV show ever so that's very fun and yeah for Ted Lasso go go watch it you dumbs <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I'm also I'm a big fan of Ted Lasso. I really love this show. I watched uh, I didn't watch it right when it started uh, because it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a show on Apple TV plus. How good could it be? Yeah. And sudden, suddenly Apple TV like became like it has like some of my favorite shows that are on TV right now, like Ted Lasso, Mythic Quest for All Mankind. But uh, yeah, Ted Lasso, I think, was the first one that I ended up watching. And it kind of blew me away. Like I watched that first season right after it ended. And then I watched season two with my girlfriend. And yeah, the show is great. Uh, big fan. Roy Kent for life. I'm a big Roy Kent fan. <laughs> and I'm since I haven't been in the driver's seat, is there a season three? Is it out? Was it not out? What's the deal? It's, it's working. They're being wor- they're working on season three. It's okay. happening. Uh, cool. I believe it's filming or maybe has wrapped filming, but uh, sometime in 2023, Ted Lasso season three should be out. Got it. Excellent. Good to know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. That's Ted Lasso seasons one and two. Mike, what else you've been watching? Um, so yeah, so since we decided that we were going to be doing the in-person episode on Avatar The Way of Water uh, so it turns out Michelle Yeoh is not in that movie, question mark? Right, yeah, so that, that that was also the uh, the thing. We were like kind of debating what our in-person episode was going to be, and uh, for a long time it was reported that Michelle Yeoh was in Avatar 2, and we were like, well, maybe we shouldn't do it like that one for our end-of-year podcast because 
we got to cover it for the Michelle Yeoh podcast at some point. Right. But it turns out, it seems like Michelle Yeoh is not an Avatar 2. It's a real Grandmaster situation. <laughs> uh, yes, we, we had this earlier this year where uh, Jeff Goldblum was supposedly going to be in Thor Love and Thunder playing the Grandmaster again, and then his scene was cut, so he's not in the movie. Uh, so we ended up just, uh, I, I, we never even did like a proper episode on that. I did like a thing with uh, a few other guys, uh, the boys, yep. about Thor Love and Thunder uh, because you hadn't seen it, and I think you were on vacation or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then I'd, uh, on an episode with, I think it was me and producer Colin, I just threw in 20 minutes. Or no, did we do that? I don't remember. That, that was you and Colin. You were talking yeah. Morbius, I think. That's and right. uh, you, you tossed in your Thor thoughts at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, similar situation. Jeff Goldblum was not in Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, so we did not end up covering that on the complete works. And we were anticipating having to do Avatar 2 in the complete works because that's a Mich- we thought it was a Michelle Yeoh movie. Turns out uh, she did film some stuff for Avatar, but they're shooting like four of these movies at once. Uh, right. And so... I think her character will pop up in Avatar 3, but Avatar 2, she is not in. She's not in. So we're doing that, like we said. So I was like, okay, it's been 10 years since I've seen Avatar 1, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I need to check this out. I need a rewatch. And you know what, man? Fucking Jake Sully. I made fun of that character so much uh, when yeah. that movie came out. What a, what a, what a fun time, you know? A, I mean, yeah. great. Uh, it did feel really weird. There's this thing, there's this like magic trick maybe that happens with this movie. Watching it now in 2022, the f- the beginning of it, I was like, okay, this is obviously great mocap. Everything looks great, but like it kind of looks dated. Like it doesn't like the, I remember this. It's like when you think about like PS1 graphics, do you remember what those like playing GoldenEye? You're like, this is photo realistic. And then you go back yeah. and look at it. It's like nine triangles. Um <laughs> That's it's not that bad, obviously, in Avatar One, but I remember being blown away by how it looked at the time and then going back and watching it, I'm like, okay, maybe it doesn't look that good. I don't know. This is a really weird thing. And then twenty minutes into it, I'm in. I believed it. Uh, like thirty thirty like I didn't even notice anymore. Uh yeah. So it's sort of like uh, uh, in the similars <laughs> where it's like just slowly fades to black and white and you don't really notice that it's happened <laughs> um, right. until it pops back into color at the end of that movie. That's sort of what happened at this in this movie where I was like just a little little uncanny valley, a little weird, a little off put, a little dated CGI stuff. And then 20 minutes in, you don't notice that anymore. And it's just like, this is the Navi are real. Like weird. I can't believe James Cameron invent- <laughs> discovered this planet. Um, that's nuts. <laughs> this is actually a documentary. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> This is crazy. Uh, and then it ends and you're like, wait a second. How did they, how do you do that to me? So yeah, I mean, I had a blast with it. I had fun. It's uh, it's real good. I would have loved to have gotten to see it in the, the big IMAX re-release and all that stuff. And, and I'm excited to see Way of Water in that format again, because it has, that's really the like impact for these movies are getting to see it in the theatrical experience as big as possible with the 3D and all this stuff. But even at home, it's fun. And I remember watching this. I think producer Colin had this on 3D, 3D Blu-ray or something. Okay. It's, it's like this and Prometheus or like the, <laughs> the two movies that he, we, he won like a 3D, a 30-inch like 3D monitor or some shit like that <laughs> uh, with two pairs of glasses. And we would sit in our tiny little dorm room in college and watch those movies in 3D. Uh, <laughs> Trying to touch the map of Prometheus <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These edibles ain't shit, man. Um, and then you're trying to touch the map in Prometheus. Um, so, yeah. That's uh, it's it's a it's also got like a, a weird secret nostalgia thing that I didn't know I forgot about for ten years and then I was watching it and I was like man I wish I was back at college and 
watching this on Colin's shitty little TV. Um, yeah. So yeah, Avatar. It's Jake Sully. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. You know, I uh, I went to the uh, the IMAX re-release of Avatar uh, a couple months ago when it was released, and that was the first time I had watched the movie since it was in theaters in 2009. Uh, wow. I saw I saw it twice in theaters then, and I had not watched it since. And I'm and at this point, I actually recently bought it on Blu-ray just to, like to have it. Yeah. But again, it was like relatively cheap to buy. But like, I'm I'm like, do I ever watch this at home? Is this gonna be like a theater only experience for me? <laughs> Yeah, because I feel like that's part of like what the appeal for Avatar has been for me over the years. Like I said, I I have never left the Avatar train. I am the conductor <laughs> of the Avatar train <laughs> uh, for years and years. Like people were like, "Oh, it's dumb that James Cameron's going to make these five Avatar movies uh, that no one's going to see." And I was like, "A, I think a lot of people are going to see these movies." be avatars better than you remember it being like yeah you know? uh and watching it again it was like a fully immersive really fun experience uh watching it in imax 3d and uh seeing that aspect of it uh like it, watch watching it at home i'm sure is i i would probably still like it but i feel like i don't know it's a, it's a theater thing for me i feel like the fact that it hasn't been in theaters is why people forgot how revelatory avatar was back in 2009 yeah and i think that the that and the the fact that the story is just archetypal you know it's Pocahont- oh yeah it's yes. Pocahontas, it's whatever it's uh, it's everything that people have been saying for the last 13 years, right? It's yeah, Pocahontas, exactly. Dance with Wolves, Fur and Gully. Like, it's one of those things where, like, it, like people will throw that out there on Twitter as, like, a, a reply. Like, oh, Avatar was just Fur and Gully. And you say that now, and it's like, like yeah, did you come up with that yourself? Like, is that... Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah like it's it's at that point where it's like that that's such an overplayed criticism of the movie um but it is very much like an archetypal story like it's it's very much just like you know a white savior story guy gets into like a native tribe and you know kind of becomes the best one of that tribe right obviously problematic elements of, of that trope all that kind of stuff but i do think it's uh, like looking at avatar as like an anti-colonialist story told from a colonizer's perspective yeah uh, is really interesting and you know the the storyline is com- very basic but very functional and like kind of helps introduce you to this world that is really the design of the movie is just to like show you how cool pandora is <laughs> yeah yeah i know and and um yeah it is it is fascinating as like a just like all out takedown of like U.S. foreign policy from yeah. Hollywood's biggest director. Like, I don't know. Like, it's such a weird thing. And I remember somebody tweeting something about the reason Avatar The Last Airbender has the subtitle The Last Airbender is because yep. when they made that show in 2004 or whatever the hell it was, James Cameron had already trademarked Avatar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was working on Avatar forever because it was like right after Titanic came out. He was like, I got this movie Avatar. I have to develop technology. To, yeah, to I have to invent a thing, a thing first. Um, <laughs> uh, and then it was the same thing for this movie i mean like that's the reason why avatar 2 took so long is because he's like developing new technology in order to create the movie and it's also going to be about you know undersea exploration which is a big james cameron uh thing james cameron weird um (laughs) so but i mean i hope i hope he just gets to crank these next three movies out or ever however many he's making yeah Uh, it'd be really fucking cool for him to come back with avatar way of water and then just pump like 10 years later and then just pump out like three or four of these in a row yeah (laughs) i mean they yeah, they've been filming them like back to back. Like I think he was filming two, two and three at the same time, and has has shot some of four already. Right, and I think Avatar four and five are like. <laughs> dependent on how avatar two and three do which wow. makes sense it makes sense know? like so like avatar four and five could like theoretically not happen if avatar two and three bomb but it seems like avatar two at least will make a shitload of money um yeah. just based on the hype around it uh and everybody everybody's reaction to it is like this is actually great uh and mm-hmm. you know i think i'm not sure if it'll do like avatar one numbers where it was the highest grossing movie of all time but like what if it did <laughs> if it just was another 
billion plus movie. That'd be like, wild. Can, can you imagine if like Avatar two becomes the highest gross movie of all time? That'd <laughs> like, be cool as fuck. That would be insane. Cause obviously like the, the way it happened before was Avatar beat Titanic, uh, James Cameron's previous movie. Yeah. And for Avatar two to take the throne from Avatar, which also was like ba- barely dethroned by Avengers Endgame. And then I think Avatar like reclaimed it because it got re-released in China for like a week yeah, <laughs> or something. Some shenanigans going you on. You know, what, whatever. And they're all owned by Disney anyway, so who cares? But like if Avatar 2 is like becomes the first movie to gross like $3 billion or something. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, uh, it would be pretty wild. And I, and I did want to say, because I feel like we talked about it when you went to see the movie again in theaters. Yeah. There is a sexy with the hair and the braids. And you said it wasn't in the version you saw, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so you you saw the braids. Correct. You saw the braids intertwining. Yes, it happens. Okay, hundred percent in the uh, I believe extended director's cut, which is the version that I watched, or extended. I don't know what the hell it's called, but the yeah, extended version. It was like over. It was almost three hours, uh, or was three hours. And yeah, J- uh, Jake and Natiri. Yeah, Natiri. Natiri, uh, like under the like religious tree. I forget what it's called. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not the home tree, the other one. Yeah, they have like a sex scene and they put the braids together and they they smash. I mean, you don't like see the smashing, but like they smash. Right. Well, uh, it's, it's implied smashing due to the braids. Uh, due to the braids <laughs> uh, and, and the, the kissing and the smashing. Uh, but then... I, I am so relieved to hear you say this because... because <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought, I like, I did the Leo point. Like I sat up in my chair and was yes. like, it's real, it exists. Because like the scene is there, the love scene is there between the two characters, but oh. they like cut out the braids part. Interesting. Uh, which is one of those things that, like everybody remembered from Avatar, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's a very like, you know, notable thing, unique to that movie that like no other movie has ever done before. It's the cultural impact of the movie. <laughs> it really is. Like that's like uh, of any scene in Avatar, that's the one that has probably had the most cultural impact. Like the yeah. thing that you could like point to and being like, oh, remember Avatar, the movie where they have sex with the braids, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. And when I was watching it in the theater and I didn't see that and I was looking around online for it and I like looked around like, and, you know, my Google search history was like Avatar sex scene and you don't want to, you don't want to yeah. look that up at Google at all. Uh, <laughs> but I was like looking for it and I couldn't find it. And like me and people People at the Roxy were like talking about it, like that that happened, right? Like it it it, it like existed. <laughs> so Bernstein bears, Bernstein bear, <laughs> exactly. So I'm very relieved to hear you say that it is there at least in the apparently the director's cut, although it was definitely in the theatrical cut originally, like when I saw it in theaters in wow. 2009. I don't remember it from that, but I just remember it existed. Uh, and yeah, confirmed in the extended or directors or whatever the hell the James Cameron version. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, uh, the the three hour plus version has the the braid sex scene. Nice. All right. That is uh, that is Avatar, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'm glad that you uh, rewatched it and have seen the light on Avatar. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk Avatar the way of water with you, Mike. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't excited before. And then now re- having rewatched it, I'm like actually pretty jazzed. And like I said, hearing the response being like, uh, and also the story is good. This is like interesting and good. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be pretty cool. Nice. Are you going to go see it this weekend? Uh, when it opens up, you know, I don't think I realized it was this weekend and I wasn't really planning on it. Uh, okay, so, but I guess enough. so. I don't know. I guess I got to try to plan I mean, for our real life episode. You know, that's how- the thing. If we're, if we're going to do the real life episode on the day that we want to do it. I mean, it's, it's a three plus hour movie. So you gotta gotta carve out some time. (laughs) Can't wait. Yes. But, uh, very excited. So avatar, the way of water coming out soon and, uh, Mike D enjoyed avatar. So that's good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, and then I have a few movies uh, that I want to talk about, some recent releases. Uh, first of which is the new movie from director Luca Guadagnino, and that is Bones and All, uh, which is a new cannibal road drama starring Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. Taylor Russell uh, from the Escape Room movies. She is the lead of those films, the Escape Room movies. That's what I've uh, heard. Yeah. And she, oh, you, oh, you haven't seen those. I I've never seen those. No. Yeah. <laughs> you should watch. They're pretty fun. I like them. All right. But yeah, she's very good in this. She's like really the main character here. And then she uh, kind of meets a fellow cannibal played by Timothy Chalamet. And they go on a road trip to try to find her mother. And other actors that pop up in here include Mark Rylance, who is incredible in this. Michael Stuhlbarg pops up in this. And it's directed by Luca Guadagnino, who uh, directed uh, Call Me By Your Name, uh, but also the Suspiria remake from 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think we're both pretty big fans of, right, Mike? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just realizing connections between "Call Me by Your Name" and this movie, and I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not liking it in my. Oh, in my oh, brain. The can- <laughs> yeah. I. <laughs> Do they just like turn I, to the camera and address it? They have to, right? Uh, they, they don't. But it is funny that like Luca Guadagnino directed this movie. It stars Timothy Chalamet and Michael Stuhlbarg. It bas- it's basically everybody from Call Me By Your Name making a movie about cannibals, except for Army Hammer, who is an actual cannibal. <laughs> Weird, weird, weird how that worked out, huh? Weird, weird, yeah, weird how that happened. But uh, yeah, but Suspiria, though, you're, you're a fan of, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. it's fun <laughs> off then a whole rabbit hole in my brain. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so Suspiria, Suspiria we're both big fans of, and this kind of continues that like art house horror trend that Guadagnino has kind of been moving towards. And yeah, I really enjoyed Bones and All. I think it's a very uh, incredibly well shot movie. Taylor Russell as, as the lead is great. Mark Rylance is great. Even Timothy Chalamet, I thought was pretty good. Uh, right. And you know, I've never been the biggest uh, Chalamet guy, but like, yeah, he's growing on me. I really liked him in The French Dispatch. Thought he was good in that. Yeah. You know, and I think he's good in this movie as well. And yeah, it's a very like kind of tender movie that uh, occasionally gets very brutal and gory because they're cannibals. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I just recently, I think I talked about it, rewatched uh, Raw and I'm in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing. I think this is a more like if if you are less into the gore elements of it, there's still gore in this, but like it's more palatable than Raw is. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, and it seems like obviously like Timothy Chalamet's here. He's big with the tweens these days. I feel like there's more of a, yeah, <laughs> like a somewhat mainstream audience could latch on to Bones and all. Uh, as something really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think it's very good. Sweet. Yeah, I definitely heard about this and I saw, I, I, do want to, I did want to check it out. Do you want to check it out? Uh, but I did see some people being like, uh, like lamenting, like the, I think this was Thanksgiving weekend this came out or something or around that time. Yeah, something like that. Uh, like the box office at that time and people being like, really? You thought the cannibalism movie was going to be the one that like <laughs> gets the people going? Um, yes. Yeah, I did see that too. Because it was like, it was this, like the Fablemans opened up and didn't yeah. do super well. And, you know, Glass Onion came out and was like a genuine hit, but it was only in theaters for a week. Insane. Uh, we still, we're yeah. never going to get over that. Which is, uh, yeah, absurd. And I still haven't seen it and I'm really upset about it. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I it is actually really interesting to see kind of compare box office numbers in general uh, and then just talk about it anecdotally at the Roxy because I saw Bones and All with a solid crowd mm-hmm. uh, and it's been doing all right at the Roxy. But like The Fablemans uh, is a movie that, uh, like, as far as all box office like articles about The Fablemans are concerned, this movie is a disaster. It's a bomb. Like, you know, it's it's not doing well at all. It's going straight to streaming to Peacock in a couple of weeks. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's been, like, mega popular at the Roxy. Uh, it's been doing really well. And neither of the AMCs in my town are playing it. But the Roxy is playing it. And we've been doing pretty good with the Fablemans. It's been it's been solid. Uh, so I think, you know, a lot of the, uh, the box office stuff surrounding some of these movies is partially like, hey, you got to find your audience for these. Uh, you got to, like, market to the people who want to see your movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw a lot of people talking about that too with the um 
that Disney movie that I can't even remember the name of. That, oh, that, uh, Strange Worlds. Yes. Strange Worlds. Uh, where it's like a movie most people, I didn't even know the name of, but didn't know existed. Yeah. And they were talking about how, you know, you can't, you, you have to take into account the effect of Disney booking up, you know, 5,000 screens with this movie they didn't advertise, pointing yes. to it to say what a bomb it is. And like dumping it on a streamer and be like, you crowded out all these other people that could have been in movies with your 5,000 yep. screens or whatever it is. And yeah, so it's it's just a whole weird, like self-reflexive. Yes. Yeah. You're, and you're that's causing your own death type of thing. And that, and that's a really interesting one, too, because I mean, I, I actually did want to see Strange World. I haven't seen it yet. And I did see the trailer for it a few times when I was out at the movies and, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I haven't got around to seeing it. There was en- enough stuff playing that I wanted to see where I was like, that's kind of low on my priorities list, like whatever. And now it's going to go to Disney Plus on December 23rd. I think that was announced today, actually. Yeah. And it kind of, it feels like a similar run that like Encanto had, where Encanto was in theaters for like a month. I saw it in theaters, yeah. uh, but nobody was talking about it because nobody was seeing it in theaters. And then as soon as it hit Disney Plus, it became like a sensation, right? right. We don't talk about Bruno was everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And I think they may be hoping for something similar with Strange Worlds. But I also think, you know, streaming is killing a lot of different things. Right. Uh, but Disney especially, I think, has like actually shot themselves in the foot with Disney Plus. I'm sure, and you know, I think they've lost money on it in general. But they've also like trained a lot of their audience to be like, oh, this movie will be on Disney Plus in like a month. I can just wait till then, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, I don't like now families don't have to take out like their three kids and spend $70 at the movies uh, to go see the new Disney movie. They can just wait and it'll be on Disney Plus soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird fucked up situation, basically. Yes. Yeah. Very strange stuff all around. Streamers. No good. Never, you know, get, let's get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's good stuff that's come out of it too. But then you're also at the whims of like, you know, corporate overlords who will just delete Westworld from existence or something. <laughs> like, did you see that, Mike? I did. Was it Westworld? No. Yeah, Westworld is being removed from HBO Max. That's which, the like, most was, Westworld thing to happen to Westworld. Right? Right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, HBO Max and another one of its crazy moves is uh, it, it canceled Westworld a little bit ago, which that makes sense. That show was sure. really expensive and no one liked it anymore. Uh, sure. but, but now like the show is actually being removed from HBO Max's servers, which is crazy. That's like an HBO property. You don't need to remove that. Like yeah. there's, there's no reason for that other than to screw people over who were watching Westworld. Right. And I would say it's to save money on royalties, but I don't think they get royalty checks from streamers. So no, that's not, that doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, super weird. Um, but anyway, bones and all pretty good. I liked it. Nice. <laughs> uh, also wanted to mention a movie that, uh, you actually mentioned to me a while back. I think you may have talked about it in discussions and I've had a couple people recommend it to me. Uh, resurrection. Yes. Uh, which is the new movie, uh, directed by Andrew Siemens, uh, and starring Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, a psychological horror thriller, which is available on Shudder right now, uh, which actually, speaking of Shudder and Criterion Channel, the only good streaming services. Support them if you can. Hopefully uh, Shudder stays around after all the AMC bullshit. Yes, yeah, AMC laid off a bunch of people, including people who worked on Shudder, so that sucks. But Resurrection, very good. Uh, shot in Albany, uh, or in Troy, New York, and in Albany, uh, where yep. you know our old stomping grounds, and so that was kind of a cool thing to see. It's like a moment where they're like Washington Park or something, and I was like, hey, uh, it's the place. I know that bench. I know that uh, is. <laughs> But yeah, this is a movie where uh, Rebecca Hall gives a increasingly unhinged performance uh, as this woman uh, who is being stalked by this figure from her past, played by Tim Roth. Uh, and I think if you were a fan of The Night House, uh, which I very much was, yeah. then you should check out Resurrection because it's more of Rebecca Hall going slowly nuts. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, Rebecca Hall giving a more and more unhinged performance is Rebecca Hall, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, she's great. It's like she's terrific and I think really the center of the whole thing. Uh, and there's this moment like halfway through the movie where she has this like 10 minute monologue. Man. Where she, and it's like this one shot, like it's just her doing it. And it's like, you can't, take your eyes off the screen. It's unbelievable. And so I won't go into spoilers about like what the movie actually is because uh, it kind of kept me guessing the entire way and I would like people to just have that experience. But I liked it. Resurrection. Uh, it's it's very good and it's on Shutter right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. That's that's a, that's, that, that's a movie right up my alley too. So I'm glad that yeah. you're into it. Nice. Uh, all right, what else have you been watching, Mike? What's on your list? Um, since we're talking about Shutter and the way that they might not exist, well, I mean, that's alarmist. AMC did a ton of big layoffs and that included a couple of the people at the top of Shutter, uh, Right. So there hasn't been any announcements about anything like that, but the way things are going with, you know, the larger streaming landscape, it's very scary. And I'll never get over the trauma of Filmstruck, so I'm always scared of like a cool little niche <laughs> thing carved out for specifically my wants. Yeah. It's got a target on its back, <laughs> is yep. how it feels. Uh, and this is uh, a new movie that I don't know if Shutter produced or Shutter original or what the situation is, but it is Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, okay. Yes, this is a new movie directed by Joe Bagos, who directed Bliss, if you remember that movie a year two ago that yes, I really I th- liked. I think you put it in your top 10 or uh, like an honorable mention or something. Yeah, or, or Discoveries. I don't remember. It was on one of my lists. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and this is, uh, he's made a movie in between these two, but yeah, this is a movie about a killer mall robot Santa, basically, where it starts with Rad. a bunch of, a bunch of like fake commercials at the beginning and one of them is for, uh, I think like Santa, I forget, Santa Plus or something like that. It's like based on the DOD, like Defense Department like soldier robots uh, that are like been decommissioned and sold to replace your like scary. I forget what word they used to describe the like old man, small, small Santas. And then they revert to their department of defense firmware basically is like the, the shtick. Uh, right. And it's, yeah, it's just like a down and dirty shot on 16 millimeters. So it looks really cool. Nice. Uh, it's like a little grungy thing going on. And yeah, the first, the first half of it is just these two characters, these two characters that work at like a record shop together. Uh, and they're like, it's Christmas Eve. They have nowhere else to go. Let's go get drunk. And there's like sexual tension. And it's like this kind of cool thing. And Jonah Ray's in it, which is really fun. Nice. As like a little cameo kind of thing. And then the Santa wakes up basically the robot and then just, uh, finds a fire ax and starts, starts chopping basically. And nice. it's them being terrorized through this town and it's really gory and really funny and, and like, you know, they're horror nerds. So they're like talking about Argento movies and Pet Cemetery 2 and like all this. You're like, it's us. It's kind of shit. Right. Um, and it's super gory and fun. And it's like a 90 minute, you know, bloody Christmas movie. And uh, that, that was pretty fun. And I know we've kind of like had it. There's like a string of these out right now. I think Violet Night, which I didn't get to see. Uh, come yeah, I think uh, we're, we're talking about going to see that this weekend, actually, Violet Night. Um, I've heard it's pretty dope, too. Yeah, um, I've heard it's fun. And um, they actually had on Pure Cinema podcast they had joe bagos from this movie and josh miller that wrote the sonic the hedgehog movie who oh. wrote he also wrote violent night uh nice. the two two of them were on together to talk like horror christmas stuff nice. so that was fun so yeah christmas bloody christmas it's available on shutter right now go, go check it out if you want that kind of like gr- grungy bloody christmas fun you know nice yeah it sounds like a chopping mall but christmas uh yeah and, they're not yeah. in a mall but it's one of those kind of vibes yeah definitely. Yes. cool all right so it's christmas bloody christmas on a shutter what else you can watch mike and then to, to uh, now for something completely different i watched uh spirited <laughs> the ryan reynolds <laughs> will ferrell 
Christmas Carol musical. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, I don't really know how this happened, but one of my friends, the person that actually the Ted Lasso, the person with Apple, <laughs> um, they're, they're just they're actually just a shill for Apple TV. They might just they, be getting paid for Apple. Which yeah. I, it actually your friend actually is uh, the guy from Apple, Tim Cook. Tim your, Cook. Your friend yeah. is Tim Cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sweet. Um, it's his burner account. <laughs> yeah. Basically, and yeah, it's just the Christmas Carol. Will Ferrell plays um, the ghost of Christmas present. Ryan Reynolds is this like uh, like political. I can't remember what they call them. They like dig up the dirt on the opposition and like political okay. run the campaigns kind of guys. And he's just like a has no morals, and because of that, he's gotten ahead because capitalism and all this shit. Right. Uh, and he's the guy they're being that's being haunted. Tracy Morgan is the voice of the Grim Reaper. Very fun. Great. Um, yeah. And it's just like a, a goofy, goofy little romp. And yeah, it's got a little bit of a twist to it. And it's a musical. And, you know, they kind of lean into that. They're not all that great singers. And so it's like kind of fun. And it's just, you know, it's, it's spirited. Christmas Carol. All right. You know, I don't know. I was, my friends were like, oh yeah, it's Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, Christmas Carol musical. And I was like, that's none of the, uh, none of my favorite words. Like, I <laughs> I'm not really that interested at all. Uh, but I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Whatever. I make I make them watch Frankenhooker. Uh, so sure. they really hold it over my head. So uh, <laughs> so I checked it out. And by the end, it kind of won me over. And I had, a, had a pretty fun time. And it's goofy and self-aware of that they're in a movie kind of thing where they're like, okay, load up a memory 22. And like, you know, guys will come in carrying the couch like set crew and like right. change the scenery around them. Stuff like that. That's fun. That's spirited. Nice. You know? All right, it's, uh, it's spirited on Apple TV Plus, which uh, I had kind of meaning to see. I've heard pretty good things. Yeah, you know? I mean, like I've it's worth solid. It's cuddling up on the couch and watching a goofy thing, you know? All right, yeah, fair enough. All right, that's spirited. Uh, and now for something completely different on my list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, watching a bunch of 2022 movies to catch up. And uh, recently at the Roxy, we've been playing After Sun, uh, which is the debut film from director Charlotte Wells. Uh, and it's about a father and daughter just on vacation together. And that's it. You know, it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's slice life. Yeah, it's just a slice of life kind of thing, and it's about this daughter. Really, really, it's a, it's them on vacation together in the past, and like every once in a while, it'll flash to the future, and you see it's actually about the daughter kind of reflecting on her time with her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the father played by Paul Mescal, who I also saw in God's Creatures earlier this year, which he was very good in, and he's great in this. And yeah, this is uh, really just interesting, often very funny, poignant, intimate drama that is quietly kind of devastating by the end. Uh, And it's very much about, you know, how you see your parents when you're a kid versus how you see them when you're an adult and kind of seeing your parents as real people uh, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a a really strong uh, debut film from director Charlotte Wells. uh, And it's getting a lot of, you know, notice at the end of the year kind of thing. It's been getting a lot of attention critically. And this is an A24 joint. So it's, it's got, you know, it's fan base already, but yeah, it's, it's very good. After son high recommend nice yeah i think this is one i like vaguely heard of and i kind of like can picture the like the image in a tweet <laughs> like the screenshot yeah. that goes around with this movie uh but I, I didn't really know anything else about it so that's interesting fair enough uh, also banging soundtrack wanted to throw out that, nice. that out there got a lot of R, got some rem got some queen got a lot of good stuff so yeah gotta mention that but yeah after sun is very good also wanted to mention a uh, documentary that uh, i wanted to see back in like i think may or april when the roxy was first playing it and what 
wasn't able to was wasn't able to get around to it. Uh, but it is now actually streaming on Disney Plus. It's in their National Geographic section, and it's called Fire of Love. Uh, which oh yeah, yes, is a documentary about uh, two volcanologists, uh, a married couple who are who were well known for their you know studying of volcanoes uh, throughout the eighties and nineties, uh, and unfortunately passed away in the nineties. Of course, during a volcano, how like that's very yeah. fitting. And this movie is very very good. I think a really interesting story of like you know the, these two people uh and also just like visually like they had there's so much incredible footage of volcanoes uh in fire of love and it's like it's worth watching just for that like i wish i had seen this in the theater so i could like really like fully capture that but watch, watching it at home while my dog was barking was uh <laughs> <laughs> was a little bit more of a difficult close person. second, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I I found this movie to be uh, really engrossing, really engaging, and just visually like un like if you want to see volcanoes exploding, man, or erupting, I guess would be the term. Uh, <laughs> just watch <laughs> the whole learned, documentary on it. <laughs> volcanoes erupting nonstop. Uh, Fire of Love's got you covered. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I remember uh, my friend that is a, a geologist was like very excited when that got announced and everything. Uh, nice. So yeah. I don't know if you ever watched it. Maybe I'll just make him watch it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Th this was a big hit at the Roxy. Um, it, it played nice. as part of the uh, International Wildlife Film Festival uh, last year, earlier this year. Uh, and it was big then. And then we gave it a run and uh, did really well. So uh, yeah, finally got around to seeing it. Uh, directed by Sarah Dosa. And yeah, it's streaming on Disney Plus right now. So uh, check that out. And then also wanted to mention a movie that I caught up with uh, this past week. Uh, a movie that when it came out back in like September was like maybe the most loaded topic of conversation that uh, <laughs> has hit Twitter this year. Maybe that's maybe that's a stretch because there's been a lot of loaded topics of conversation. <laughs> but I'm talking about the Marilyn Monroe biopic. Oh. Wand. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which uh, it went, when this movie came out, if you like mentioned this movie one way or the other, you would have like a, hordes of angry people just like yelling at you for something. You don't yeah. even know what just something. Somebody would be angry about something. But I finally watched it. And this is a new movie from director Andrew Dominic. So I was excited about this because Andrew Dominic directed uh, Chopper and Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, killing them softly. And he had been trying to make this movie for a very long time. Uh, this Marilyn Monroe biopic starring Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. And it was very famous kind of billed as like an NC-17 movie and, you know, it's a movie that Netflix didn't know what to do with and they were kind of clashing with Andrew Dominic and when the movie came out, most of the reactions to it were pretty negative and I was going into it a few months later now hoping that like this may be like a secret masterpiece that just the people didn't get, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's something here that's like really interesting and it's not. It's <laughs> it is not that uh, I you know, the movie looks very good. Uh, I think there's some really interesting choices that are made in the movie. Uh, and I think Ana de Armas in particular is very good in the movie. It's it just feels kind of gross. It's it, like it just feels very gross and exploitative. And uh, there's just stuff in the movie where like I, I figured like, and that's what I had heard going into it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm I can like divorce myself from like the legacy of Marilyn Monroe. And like I had seen some people who had like given it positive reactions and like compared it to Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. And like looking at those reviews i was like i love twin peaks firewalk with me if it's like that i'll probably love it uh and i get the comparisons but man it does not sit well when you're watching the movie <laughs> yeah i haven't uh, seen it yet but that's what i've he i heard uh was that it like just uses all of the like misogynist sexist like preconceived notions of marilyn monroe and then just like that's the lens it's using not even to like challenge them is how i've sort of heard yeah i mean it's it's really strange and i think the way it depicts so much of what it does is like 
just disgusting. <laughs> no, okay, uh, yeah. And like gross and weird. Uh, and yeah, so I think, you know, this movie, it, I think is attempting to be like a firewalk with me. Like, you know, look at like Marilyn Monroe as if it's like Laura Palmer in that movie or something. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, I, I very much enjoyed Andrew Dominic's other movies and Blonde just like did not land. It's incredibly well made, I think, but it's, it's very bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> that sucks. So yeah, unfortunate, but uh, yeah. Uh, I tried. I, I I was really like trying to give it a shot. I'm like, all right, here we go. Secret masterpiece time. Let's do this. Yeah. It was not. It uh, <laughs> did, did not land that way for me. Uh, but yeah, that is Blonde, uh, which is on Netflix right now. If you do want to check it out, uh, heads up that it's almost three hours long. So there's that too. But anyway, Mike D, what else you got on your list? Uh, I got one more thing to to mention, and that okay. is a, another movie on Shudder, and that is A Wounded Fawn. Okay. Interesting. Yes, uh, this stars the friend of the show, Josh Rubin. No, uh, <laughs> Josh Rubin, who I've become a very big fan of. And it's it's fun to see him pivot from like the improv comedy guy into just like weird horror movie guy. Um, right. Because J- Josh Rubin also directed uh, Werewolves Within, right? And yes. uh, the other one what was the other one he directed. Uh, Scare Me. Scare Me. Yes. yes. Which I have not watched yet. Means so, to. Yeah. He actually didn't direct this. This is directed by Travis Stevens, uh, but he stars in it. And yeah, he plays a Josh Rubin plays a guy that in the first five ten minutes is revealed to like be a serial killer basically uh and he he's like in this at an art auction and he like somebody outbids him and he like follows them home and is like oh i'd like to make a offer blah 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 and then murders them <laughs> basically right. uh and it's revealed that there's or it's portrayed that there's like this like owl figure that he sees before he does it that seems to be like controlling him and it's all this weird allegory and uh heavily inspired by like the greek myth and the the furies and all that stuff so it's really beautiful and i think this was also shot on 16 16 millimeter which is really cool and it and it like they really lean into like that like 80s italian giallo kind of movie like the blood and stuff is like really thick I always think of Tom Savini talking about those early movies with George Romero where the, the blood looks like a melted crayon, where it's like this really like waxy and the, that's what the blood looks like in this. So I think it's really leaning into that like kind of aesthetic yeah. um, and it's really grainy and shot really beautifully. Um, but it's about him. So that's the first like opening and it's like act one, you know, then there's like a title card and then he brings this new girl to this like cabin in the woods and he's like being really charming and it's this sort of like barbarian-ish the beginning where she he's okay. like just slightly off and she's sort of ignoring the red flags because she's talks about like just getting out of a relationship and she wants to try something new and all that blah 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 all this stuff and then it just sort of devolves into kind of chaos as that you know that situation uh, unfolds you know right and then yeah it's just it's weird and beautiful and and it's 90 minutes wow nice there you um, go perfect and Josh Rubin is just a fucking little creep, man. <laughs> I don't know. He's really good at it. Uh, and his co-star, who I should na- look up, uh, Sarah Lind, she's amazing in this. She's the girl that like goes to the cabin with him. Uh, is really good. And then, yeah, so Wounded Fawn. It's if you're down for it, like it, this feels like a really good like midnight movie. You know, it's like okay. got that kind of vibe to it. It's really weird. I can see this playing, you know, like a trash vault or whatever they, whatever you guys call it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> over there, the Roxy, the independent theater near your house in Missoula, Montana. Um, yep. So yeah, a Wounded Fawn, real fun. 
on Shatter. Check it out. Nice. All right. That's A Wounded Fawn, and that's the last thing that Mike had in his list, right, Mike? Yes. That's all my things. All right. I have a couple more movies to uh, get through here, first of which uh, just hit Netflix this past weekend, uh, and that is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Ah. And yes, of course, this is uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, his first animated movie. Uh, Stop stop motion animation. Uh, Are you saying what in shock that it's animated or shock that it's his first time doing stuff? That is, it's his first animated thing. I feel like that actually, yeah. But like all of his movies have so much life and vibrancy and like they feel so animated that it, it just is interesting. That yes, that yeah, I mean, it seems like he kind of got the animation bug. Uh, he was talking recently about, uh, I guess he had talked to, I want to say it was, oh no, he talked to Phil Tippett, who directed Mad God, yes. about finally doing that At the Mountains of Madness thing, like as a stop motion project. Yeah, what? Oh my God, <laughs> holy shit. Right? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But Guillermo del Toro has finally made his Pinocchio movie. He's been trying to get this movie made forever and he finally got to make it happen at Netflix, uh, which is great. And this is, I think one of del Toro's best movies. Uh, it is (laughs) terrific, Mike. It's so good. (laughs) I loved Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, which is, you know, on on the surface, it's Pinocchio, right? Relatively straightforward. We know what Pinocchio is, but watching it, it feels like a totally, completely different take on the same story. And, you know, what's interesting is that uh, we've had a couple of Pinocchio movies this year. I did not watch the one with Pauly Shore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Excuse me? Did you not know that existed? I don't think I did. There was a trailer that went around online that kind of got viral because uh, you hear Pinocchio's voice and it's Polly Shore. It's like, oh, father, when can I go to be on my own? I is have he, the whole world to see. Like, he's doing the like weasel thing. Yeah, yeah. hundred. It's his voice. That's what Polly wow. Shore sounds like. Incredible. Uh, so I did not watch that one, but I did watch uh, the live action Disney remake uh, that came out earlier this year, uh, which was a straight to Disney plus thing, which was directed by Robert Zemeckis, right. which is the only reason I watched it. And that movie is the worst thing I've seen this year. <laughs> Did you say it's, it's an abomination? I would probably say that, yes. Okay. Uh, is, is that a Pinocchio joke that went up no, my head? No, I don't know. It just feels like that's the correct word for a... Oh, oh sure, yes. Uh, I mean, it, one look at uh, the live-action Jiminy Cricket in that movie, and it's like, <laughs> oh, God! Like, yeah, abomination would be the word to use. Uh, that that movie is the worst thing I've seen this year. I'm not just talking about movies. I'm talking about like, you know, real life Finn. events. <laughs> you know, the worst thing that's happened this year was uh, the Disney remake of Pinocchio. It's quite bad. Tom Hanks played Geppetto in that. Uh, oh, also, yeah. Which was weird. Yeah, no, it's it's real rough. Uh, and it's, but it's really interesting to have this new version of Pinocchio out, which tells, you know, roughly the same story, but in a completely different and like much more interesting way. Uh, and just so much more charming. I mean, the animation is, incredible it's so fluid and so creative and you know it's del toro so there's all this like cool creature design that kind of makes its way into the movie and the movie goes off in directions that uh, i would not see coming it's a darker take on pinocchio than i was familiar with and you know in in true del toro fashion uh this movie is set against the backdrop of 1930s fascist italy wow uh, <laughs> which incredible. you know much like uh, Pan's Labyrinth uh, set against the Mexican Civil War, I think, uh, right? Or uh, Spanish Civil War. The Spanish Civil War, sorry. Set against the Spanish Civil War or uh, Devil's Backbone also set like set up against like a war backdrop, right? Yep. He did the same thing with this Pinocchio movie. And it makes sense. Pinocchio is like a story from the early 1900s in Italy, right? That's it's. It's all coming together. And yeah, Ewan McGregor plays Sebastian J. Cricket. David Bradley plays uh, Geppetto, uh, who is uh, Walder Frey in Game of Thrones, yep. right? Uh, Ron Perlman's in it. How could he not be? It's a yep. Del Toro movie. And he plays like the fascist leader who brings Pinocchio into the army of Italy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's wild. This movie's great. <laughs> It's it's very, very good. I really loved Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and I think it is well worth checking out, and it's on Netflix right now. All right. 
You know, I wasn't really sure. I was like, I mean, I guess I should just trust Guillermo del Toro, but it just felt like weird. I was like, maybe, I don't know. You know, Pinocchio, Claymation could be weird, but why, why would I think that? I don't know. I, I, it is in my top three del Toro movies, I think right now. Wow. Um, up there with like Pan's Labyrinth and Shape of Water probably would be like it. And Pinocchio also. It's very, very good. Uh, so yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's great. Go watch it. And then uh, also this past weekend, went out to go see The Menu, uh, which is the new movie uh, directed by Mark Mylod, who uh, I think has become known over the last couple of years as a TV director, uh, directed many episodes of Succession uh, and is a producer on that show. And so directed this movie, The Menu, which stars Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Nicholas Holt, Ray Fiennes, uh, Hong Chow, John Leguizamo is in this too. And it's about... Uh, this group of people, this group of very wealthy people who go out to this private island to be fed this meal by this like world-renowned famous chef played by Ray Fiennes. And then things start to take a turn, Mike. Interesting. I heard this described in a, in a term, in a, as a genre that like I didn't know is a thing or has, I've never heard categorized this way, but, but 1% horror. Um, <laughs> And that sounds so intriguing to me. Uh, uh, yes, it's definitely, a, I would call it a fuck rich people genre. It's probably that a, too, yeah, I guess. <laughs> which has been like, you know, increasingly over the last few years. Wonder why. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of those kind of movies. I think this would actually be a great double feature with Triangle of Sadness, uh, which I talked about a couple weeks ago in this yes. podcast. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it's a movie about these like rich people and like Ray Fiennes uh, plays the chef who uh, is increasingly like, what's the word I'm looking for? He inc- increasingly like has a great distaste for the people who uh, have his kind of food right exactly and it's almost like a it's triangle of sadness but it's also like the shades of pig in here as well that kind of like you know, <laughs> pig that, or pig uh pig then a cage pig, oh not okay pigs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know how pig is like largely also about like you know the way the uh the culinary world has kind of like gone into this like realm of like one percenter kind mm-hmm. of thing where it's like you know it's become something for rich people to, you know, eat without actually enjoying and just like see this like kind of food that's like, you know, made very fancy, but there's no actual like, you know, substance to it. Uh, And that's a large part of what the menu is about as well. Uh, And Anya Taylor-Joy is the one who's like sort of like seeing this all unravel. And it's really fun. I had a blast with this movie. It's a great dark comedy and also incredibly poignant at times. And I think Ray Fiennes is incredible in it. Anya Taylor-Joy is very good. Uh, So yeah, the menu, it's it's good. Go check it out. Nice. Yeah, I I definitely want to check this out. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. It. So that's that's exciting to hear that you were really into it. So. Yeah, the the ending, by the way, also is like completely bananas uh, in the best way. Like I, just some imagery in the last like five minutes of the movie where I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this on screen. So, yeah, it's very good. Is there is there a through line from Thoroughbreds to this, do you think? With, on, with Anya Taylor-Joy, you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I could see uh, I could see a potential double feature being made out of okay. Thoroughbreds in this. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's the menu. And then I have one more movie that I wanted to mention. And, uh, and it's a movie that I've talked about on this podcast many times at this point. But I did go see it again because the Roxy was playing it again for our past to action series and that is triple r let's fucking go <laughs> uh triple r which uh you know spoilers for my end of the year list but i will be shocked if it's not my number one of the year uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like i will be genuinely like like i i don't anticipate anything else topping it unless like avatar 2 like really blows me out of the water man uh, <laughs> the way of water the way of water of course yeah no triple r rules and uh, i had seen it twice already i went back for a third time uh for a one-off screening that the roxy was doing uh and 
almost the entire Roxy staff went to the screening because everybody, most of them had seen it already. Nice. Uh, and we're just like, we got to go see Triple R again. Uh, and then a few of them hadn't and we're seeing it for the first time and like joined the cult of Triple R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which was great. I took my girlfriend who had not seen it and, you know, she warmed up to it. Uh, you know, she actually really loved it by the end. But like when it first started, like it's, it's really like not her kind of movie. She's not really into like big action movies and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And so when the movie starts, like 20 minutes in, we've seen like three big action set pieces already. Right. Uh, right. We're, I mean, really it's like during the scene where uh, <laughs> Ram Sharan like jumps over the fence and is just like knocking out all these dudes, like just trying to arrest that one guy. People, yeah, exactly. During that scene, which I think is awesome. Uh, my girlfriend looked at me and was like, I can't believe you thought I would like this. And I was like, <laughs> Ugh, devastating, <laughs> wow. devastating. But hope, but yeah, and especially that's like pretty early in the movie. There's like two and a half hours left, like at yeah. this point, but she really came around on it. Uh, as the movie went on, I think once they become friends, which also happens pretty early on, she got on board and uh, actually really loved it. So that was great to see. Uh, it's a unifying experience. Triple R. Just everybody seems to be into it. And that's great. And it was the first time I got to watch it with like a full packed theater crowd. Because uh, mm-hmm. I had seen it once at home and then once in like kind of a, a crowd of like 20 people at our rental uh, that I wasn't supposed to be at. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but watching it with like a sold out crowd at the Roxy was uh, was so much fun. People were cheering and clapping. And like you were saying, like when we watched it for the podcast, when we talked about it then, like where people just like ripping out their chairs and like going nuts and like kind (laughs) of I'm so glad to hear that. That's amazing. Yes, it was. Uh, it was so much fun, and the movie was a big enough hit then for that one-off screening that uh, our executive director was like, "We should just show it more." And so now we've been playing Triple R for a week straight at the Roxy. Just gave it like a full week run, just to give people more chances to go see Triple R. And people are doing it. I mean, the staff at the Roxy is like nuts for this movie. It's like easily like theater's favorite movie of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which has been great. It's like kind of up there between this and everything ever all at once. But I think Triple R like just edges it out for a lot of people. And yeah, it's been like quite an experience to see this movie gain an audience and it's been great. And yeah, triple R rules. If you haven't seen triple R yet, watch it, watch it. You idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should just show it once a month. Like, what do you care? Come on. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like that's not the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be the new Rocky horror picture show. You know, yeah. You show triple R every time. <laughs> just midnight to 3am once a week, once a month. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's Triple R. I just wanted to mention it again uh, because it's actually getting some surprising awards consideration buzz, uh, which is also kind of a cool thing to see. I think uh, the Golden Globes nominated it for a uh, best uh, foreign language film and also best original song. The Natu got in there, nice, uh, which was great to see. So it didn't get into like the best picture race. I, I don't necessarily think it will for the Oscars either. Maybe uh, I do think it has a solid chance of getting a best director nomination for S.S. Rajamouli, um, just based on what I've been seeing over the last few weeks. Uh, That'd be so really cool. That would be pretty sick. Uh, which did you see the sight and sound list came out uh, yes. recently. Uh, and so in the weeks since it's been fun to see like some of the directors, like uh, they've been posting like, you know, the director's ballots, like he's the directors mm-hmm. we asked to submit their 10 and SS Rajamuli was one of them. And his list included like the lion King. Was it like, <laughs> like Puss in Boots or Shrek or something on there? There was like, there was like two or three Disney movies. There was like Braveheart and Apocalypto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just like, like a weird collection of movies um, basically. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's fun to see like just the different directors and like the different stuff they select. Uh, as well. He has a really fascinating episode of the movies that made me uh, with oh, really? Joe Dante and Josh Olsen. Yeah. And talking about like the movies that made it to India that he got to see. And it's, it's stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So it was like really, a really fascinating discussion of like that kind of cross cult 
cultural thing and then like now his movie has made it here and he's like yeah. what is that like to you and he's like asking Joe Dante and Josh Olsen <laughs> about that so like yeah it was really cool check that episode out if you're interested on uh, and also that he's like the James Cameron of India <laughs> he's like the biggest director ever right yes and uh, I've been meaning to, like he has a few movies I think uh, the Bahubali movies are on Netflix I, I think so to watch yeah. those. and yeah that's and it's also like I have not seen any of his other movies yet. I want to. They're all three hours long. And so it's like t- yeah. <laughs> tough to carve it out. It's also a movie that like, I think it's called Ega or Epa or whatever, but it's like a, a it's basically the fly. It's like a, yeah. you know, a, like a weird, like fly kind of remake, but like through the lens of the guy who made triple R. So it's probably insane. <laughs> anyway. S.S. Yeah. Raj Wooley. Love him. Yes. Uh, very excited for Triple uh, R to sweep the Oscars uh, in just a couple of months. You know, I, I did see one uh, one tweet a while back where uh, when they were announcing like, the best original song, like contenders or whatever, like stuff that was going to be up there. And it was like, you know, th- th- what the Oscars should be this year is just <laughs> everybody who's nominated has to get on stage and dance the Natsu. <laughs> yeah. And then whoever is the last man standing gets to win the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. How to make right? the Oscars interesting again. That's yeah. it. There it is. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be it for uh, Mike and my go to the movies this week, I think. Uh, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MDFemblog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, because we have two podcasts. Yes, plural, we do. Plural, because we have two podcasts. Man, yes, what happened? Nailed it. <laughs> nailed it in one. Got it. Um, also, if you want merch, we have merch now. You can go to yes, uh, Mike and Mike Pods. Pick up some T-shirts, mugs. We got we got the Mike and Mike go to the movies logo. We got the Complete Works Michelle Yeoh logo. Go out there, b- buy some merch for us, please. Please, yes, buy merch. <laughs> that would be great. A great Christmas present for everyone in your family. Correct. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike DeCrescio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Next week, we haven't really talked about what we're going to do. Um, we could just do more discussions. I feel like I'll probably have more, you know, 2022 catch up stuff, unless you don't think you're going to watch anything in the next week or so, Mike. I don't I don't know. I mean, we can tentatively say yes, and if we come up with a different idea, we'll do that. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. But that, that'll probably be like the last episode before our in-person Avatar The Way of Water episode. Oh, man. So, yeah. It's there gotta, you go. be, gotta be a good one. The stakes are high. <laughs> oh, no. We just did a Make Weeks Week Watch. Do we, have we done a, we did a Let's Rank a couple weeks ago. We did Let's Rank Internet Movies a couple weeks back. Yeah, we've we've done some stuff. Unless you have like a guest you want to bring on at the last minute who hasn't been on the podcast this year. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or they can, or it could be somebody who has been, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Producer Colin wants to make you watch Sound of the Hedgehog too. That's totally no, fine. Uh, stop I will, trying to talk that into existence. I will take the week off. You can do that. No. That would be great. <laughs> you bastard. Uh, so we'll, we'll plan on discussions unless we think of something else better. Yes. Deal. Fair enough. All right. So next week, tentatively discussions in the meantime we're going through every one of michelle yo's movies for the complete works and this week we released our episode on a shaolin popey 2 messy temple which is not one of the better movies that we talked about sure, sure is a messy temple <laughs> what if next week for mike and mike we just talked about that movie again we just do shaolin popey one <laughs> <laughs> i would actually be very upset if we did that <laughs> i'd be so mad at us I'd be so upset uh yeah no we're not doing that but you can go check out our episode on shaolin popey 2 messy temple it's out there right now and that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah.